Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does your morning sound like? Uh, Goodbye, baby. She's finally asleep. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. Can I get a sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles? Mm. Here's to making your morning routine a little better with a delicious breakfast from McDonald's. Mix and match two of your favorites for just $4. The Sausage McMuffin with Egg and the Sausage Egg and Cheese McGriddles. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. Happy Monday to you listeners. I am Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and Spanrag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting at NDT Scouting, also with Fanrag Sports. Kyle, happy Monday. Happy Monday. Um, yeah, we got two more of these divisional podcasts to knock out, and then... Um, us being the sick puppies that we are, we've already started digging into some 2018 stuff. Uh, really excited about Penn State tight end Mike Gusecki. Put out a piece on him over the past weekend. Uh, so you guys should definitely swing over and check that out. Joe just put out an awesome piece on Clemson wide receiver Deion Kane. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, man, we're getting into it. But I got, let's, hey, you know what? The one thing we haven't talked about on this podcast yet, and I'm kind of disappointed. It is. It's fucking, can I say that? No. Can we bleep that out? Oh, yeah, we can bleep that out. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we haven't talked about rompers, and I don't know how, because when I saw these things, you, you were the first person I thought of. Well, first of all, that's very flattering. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes, I would totally wear a romper, a men's romper. Not a ladies' romper, no frilly bottoms, uh, but Cam Newton style, which is fitting. It's on an NFC South Day. We're going to talk about rompers, and Cam Newton is like, the guy that would totally slay in a in a romper. Kyle, you didn't miss a beat right there. You said I would totally wear a romper. Like you, that, you didn't cross your mind as of that's that's ridiculous. No, I I saw the picture and said yes, I would wear that. It's there's no Why? question. Why? Why? Because I have great thighs. You got to be I mean, able to show no off question. your assets. So you think that it would accentuate your uh, 
your physique? Dude, I'm Quadzilla. I never miss leg day. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so the the romper uh, lends itself to maximizing your physique, and so therefore you're willing to wear one. Yes, it draws attention to the right areas, and it's a button up, so I can leave the top two buttons undone. Oh, so man. I'm not not getting hot in the collar or anything like that. Um, so they were made. For, you're excited about this, yeah, dude. I've already I, thought I, about what pattern I would want the most. Well, tell us. Oh, uh, man, either the the paint splatter one was pretty choice. Uh, the salmon-colored one was pretty solid as well. Um, or if they made one that had, like, tropical birds on it, I would totally Tro- wear that. Kyle Krabs in a tropical birds uh, romper. This is fantastic. All interested parties are game for, for the romper on Kyle Krabs thing happening. Yeah. Well, I I, I feel like it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, uh, you know, Pixar didn't happen, but I, I'm sure that won't be a problem. No, be uh, be ready. We got some beach time coming up at the beginning of July, and I am planning <laughs> on having, uh, Lord willing, my hands on a male robber to wear out uh, on the town. I um, I am going to the beach this weekend, and there will be no rompers. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like Joe Marino's patented beach wear. I'm picturing like a big straw sun hat. <laughs> Uh, and a Hawaiian shirt with with uh, the thong yeah. sandals, and oh, uh, a multicolored bathing suit. Well, here's okay. So I'm not a big sun guy. Like I don't necessarily just like love baking in the sun. Yeah, so. you're you're a a fair skinned guy. Yeah, I so. like playing bocce ball. I'm you know get out there and play some bocce ball, roll it around a little, you know, enjoy some beverages, but in the shade. You know, I I don't want to be out there in the in the blistering heat of the North Carolina coast. Yeah. That's not, that's not my favorite. It's, it's late May. So hopefully it'll be breezy and cool, but um, yeah, no rompers for me. Um, actually, I don't think your description there is very good at all. I, I have a solid blue uh, bathing suit and that is it. And um, one and uh, you know, t-shirt and, and then a hat. It's more like a baseball hat, man. So, you know, I, I don't, I, you missed the mark you. there. No, I'm, yeah. I'm proud of you more than anything. Yeah. I'm, I've never been more happy to be wrong on a player assessment than judging Joe Marino going to the beach. <laughs> Just to recap, you had me in a multicolored bathing suit bottom with a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat. Yes. Man, I mean, that okay. imagery is pretty outstanding, though, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I, you painted it pretty vividly. I saw myself like that. That's then I was what like, I mean. No, I can, it's not I can true. see it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, right. uh, moving on. Uh, yeah, I guess we should probably <laughs> talk some football, right? Yeah, yeah. How about this AFC South? Yeah, this was a uh, – you made the point to, to mention right when the pre-show was we were getting ready to roll with this thing. There's only two picks here. Carolina's last two picks are the only two players in the entire division that we didn't do player assessments on. Yeah, so clearly the uh, general managers in the division are uh, NDT Premium subscribers. So, Speaking of which, <laughs> uh, anybody who's listening – uh, should be excited because this upcoming week we're going to be uh, rolling out some of our premium content at the site, ndtscouting.com. Uh, you're going to get the chance to see the full-on breakdown of the draft classes versus my personal draft board, uh, the draft class rankings in accordance to that comparison. Uh, that will be up by this time next week. So I'm super excited about that. So if you don't have NDT Scouting Premium, Clearly, all four general managers in the NFC South do. So, what are you waiting for? 
it's the right time to buy it, right? So you get all of our summer work, plus your purchase now gets you 2018 draft guides. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a just just think of it like save yourself a lunch and it's a twelve month investment because that's yeah. what it is. Beautiful. So let's look at this thing. Let's look at the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, my goodness, I I don't think my first mock for all the mocks that I've done for the twenty seventeen draft, I kept on pegging them David and Joku right uh, for tight end just because I never thought in a million years OJ Howard would be there at nineteen. And then O.J. Howard was there at 19. Surprise. They, yeah, they, they turned in the card, man. And um, obviously, I'm a fan of this pick. You know, O.J. was my number four player in this class. And just getting Jameis Winston, another big-bodied target in the passing game, really, really is is what he needs. You know, the way that he throws the football and he likes those – he needs that catch radius because he's not super, super accurate. So uh, you pair him with uh, Mike Evans and you've got Deshaun Jackson and – you know, this is a nice uh, slate of, of passing options for Jameis Winston before we've even mentioned that O.J. Howard is an absolutely dominant run blocker. Uh, and so, you know, he's going to be able to create space uh, in line uh, from the flex position, from the backfield. And, and I just really think he was the right piece to, to move this Buccaneers offensive long uh, and build around Jameis Winston. And then, uh, you know, looking some of the other picks that I wanted to comment on, uh, Jeremy McNichols, you know, that's crazy. He was available 162 overall. I thought he was kind of that darling running back that if you missed out on the top tier, you know, you, he's the guy with the starter traits that you can get, you know, early day three, maybe, maybe late day two. And then he falls all the way to 162. And I think the Buccaneers have got a steal here. You know, one thing that's been true about their running backs and Doug Martin and Charles Sims is that they tend to be injured. And so I like what Mick Nichols gives them as an insurance policy and a guy that can really fit into that mix. Um, you know, assuming one of those guys goes down. So, uh, those were my two favorite things that the Tampa Bay was able to do. Um, and, uh, curious to hear your thoughts, man. Yeah, so Howard, you know, the thing I take the most joy out of the Howard pick was I had mocked Tampa, you know, a tight end, David Njoku as well at some point throughout the course of the winter. And you get the Bucks fans. Cameron Brait was awesome last year. They'll never take a tight end. (laughs) Well, here we are, and guess what? Tampa Bay took a tight end. It was just top tight end on the board. Here we are. Uh, Joe, I'm not – I was also surprised – uh, that Howard was here at 19. I wasn't shocked, and I, I thought it was appropriate value because Howard was my 23rd rated player on the board uh, overall throughout the entire draft class. Uh, so really like, as you mentioned, just this, the size element that's there um, with Vincent Jackson no longer being a factor and, and no longer being on the roster in Tampa Bay. Uh, they had two big bodies with Jackson and Evans when Evans first came in, and that was really difficult for teams to be able to corral. And now you have the ability with Howard to consistently get those guys into one third or one half of the field. And that's going to create a lot of headaches with catch radius stuff. And then you have somebody like Chris Godwin, the wide receiver out of Penn state, who I thought was a pretty strong value. I had him rated hundredth overall. He went 84th, uh, 84% contested catch, uh, courtesy of Matt Harmon over at NFL.com. Uh, tremendous fantasy uh, dynasty wide receiver scout. And uh, he looked in depth at Chris Godwin, 84% on his contested catches. Now the problem with Godwin is a lot of those contested catches should not have been contested catches because he's not quite there as a route runner yet. But 
Joe, as you said, Jameis likes to let his guys win. He does. He doesn't necessarily rely on pinpoint accuracy to all areas of the field. He understands he's got a one-on-one situation, lets his guys go up and make a play on the football. Godwin's another player that complements what Howard and, um, I'm sorry, uh, Mike Evans can do in that regard. So really like what they did in terms of using two of their top three picks uh, on weaponry to add to the passing game. Uh, The Justin Evan pick was the one that missed the mark for me. Uh, I had him rated in the 130s. He went 50th overall. It was the single worst value versus my personal draft board in the entire division. Uh, 83 spots off, he went 50th. So uh, didn't see great ball skills there. I know he was a big factor in their opening win against UCLA last year. Um, But the tackling is a mess when he's filling downhill. And uh, he's he's going to have to break a lot of bad habits in order to capitalize on uh, uh, the athletic ability that he has because the athletic ability and the size is there, but there's there's just a lot of technical stuff that, that leaves you wanting more. Yeah, you know what? Uh, before we move on to the next team, I've got to echo what you said there about Cameron Brait. I, I don't think I heard more about a player this offseason than what I heard from Tampa Bay fans and Cameron Brayton, and how good he was, and there's no way that the Bucks are taking the tight end. I mean, that that was just like un- unbelievable the amount of uh, love for Cameron Brayton, the Tampa Bay fan base. But uh, moving on here, Falcons. Um, it's interesting because I-, I figured they wanted to get another pass rusher opposite of Vic Beasley. He 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 himself accumulated for basically half of the Falcons' sacks last year. So getting a complimentary rusher was it, it, something that had to be a priority. They went out and got Doc McKinley, pick 26. And it's interesting and something I want to get into with you here with McKinley because obviously he's exciting because of his get off and, uh, you know, his ability to just, you know, twitched. He's a twitched up rusher and he can win off the edge with speed. And, uh, you know, but there's one thing that's pretty clear is that his, his hand technique and his, his ability to just kind of soften the edge and, and show a diverse, um, amount of hand technique to beat blocks is something that's I think we all agree is a bit a little bit underwhelming is the flip side to that that um, he has so much success as a pass rusher despite that component being evident and that there's even more of a ceiling here uh, that you know helps you get behind this pick or is that something that you feel is something that's going to be difficult for McKinley to develop well I think as as far as an immediate impact it's certainly going to temper your expectations right um I think McKinley is a nice complimentary piece. Um, I think he has uh, quality baseline traits as a pass rusher. Uh, But much like Vic Beasley, uh, Vic Beasley came into the league and uh, really struggled his first year to get consistent playing time because he was not a complete player and he had holes in his game. And I think your expectations should be the same for McKinley. I think... In the long run, I can get on board because of the style of defense that Arizona likes to play. They have fast-to-flow guys. They really like to get penetration, uh, really rely on speed, and Tech has speed. So I, I trust in the long run that they'll be able to put him in positive situations uh, in order to help him capitalize on his athletic ability. Uh, but I do think in the short term, this is a pick that uh, I'm not especially high on as a rookie this year. Yeah, and you know the uh, the same is really true for me when I look at their second round pick, Duke Riley. 
Um, he's a player that I know a lot of people like quite a bit. Um, but he was a player that I thought was a bit of a reach, actually a 104 point deviation from my board. He was the 179th player on my board. He went 75 to the Falcons and one year starter. Uh, obviously he's fast to flow. He can cover ground. That's important, but his ability to play through contact was something that underwhelmed me uh, and some inconsistency as a, in un, some inconsistencies as a finisher. So I think when I look at both of these first two picks, um, I, I see the need, um, how they fit that defense. I like the fits, but seems like these are more of guys that are going to project to, to contribute a little bit more down the line as opposed to being an immediate impact type player. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Tack McKinley went 26. He's my 43rd rated player. So that for me is not a huge deviation. Duke Riley was my 120th rated player. I think you were a little too low on him, but that's again, my personal draft assessment. Uh, he went 75. Uh, that pick of Duke Riley in the the uh, with the 75th pick was a 45 pick deviation from my draft board. It was the worst pick the Falcons had. So that says a lot about what I thought about this Falcons draft class. They actually graded out as the third best draft class against my draft board this year. Mm, uh, here they, I am crapping on some of these picks. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean the the top two picks were negative value. Obviously, McKinley 26th pick went versus 43rd on the board. Every other pick was a positive pick. Now, I know you're you're not as high on uh, the last selection that they made Eric Salbert out of Drake, uh, but you go down the rest of the list, Sean Harlow, DeMonte K- K- Casey, Brian Hill, Eric Salbert, all those guys were players that I had rated uh, anywhere between Harlow was 39th. I was super high on Sean Harlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey went uh, 149. I had him 79th on the board. Brian Hill was 108th on the board on my personal draft board, and Eric Salbert was 139. So they got these guys at picks 136, 149, 156, and 174. So what they were able to do and the talent that they were able to pick outside of McKinley and Riley, and I don't even think those two were necessarily quote-unquote bad values. They just weren't ideal values when you look at that player in a vacuum. Then And again, that's me looking at it through my scope versus a team looking at it through their scope. And that's a really surprising turnaround for me because traditionally there's been some teams like the Minnesota Vikings that always draft in similarity to my draft board. It's been fascinating to watch as as I've kind of tweaked my own evaluation system. Uh, Minnesota, three out of four years that I've been doing this with NDT Scouting, has been the top valued selections versus my draft board and they they missed in 2016 uh, 2014 2015 and 2017 minnesota is the top team uh atlanta last year in 2016 was dead last against my draft board and i'm willing to eat crow on that because the two picks that i had exception with were keanu neal in the first round and uh deon jones uh there's i believe he went in the second round the LSU linebacker, who was a huge piece for them uh, on the defensive side of the football. And uh, for, for them to pick against players that I was notably lower on, and from top to bottom, too, the value was not great, and then turn around and have a pick uh, class this year, uh, Falcons hands are, are certainly hoping for uh, similar results and for me to actually be right this time because I really love the day three talent that they were able to assemble. And I'm okay with the value for their first two picks. You know, it's interesting because I have the exact 
opposite perspective on this Falcons class in that every one of their picks was a negative deviation except for DeMonte Kazee, uh, who was a 30 point, 33 point positive deviation. So this was interesting. The, the collection of players here, uh, and how it was valued by class. Yeah. Yeah. For, for us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Hold on. So, how is Sean Harlow at 136 a negative value for you? It's only four. It's only four off. Oh, he was 140 you, on my board. You scared so scared me. So yeah, no, that wasn't I bad. Knew, but I, I knew I was much higher, but you scared talk me. Talk was 24 point reach. Duke Riley, 104. Harlow, four. Brian Hill, 27. Salbert, 70. And then because he was a 33 point positive deviation. So, so, the, so yeah. whoever uh, comes out with this Falcon class, uh, plus or minus, is, is going to have something to hang their hats on this year. Yeah. Is what you're telling well, me. Three years from now, we will uh, we'll revisit this. Yeah, let's let's uh, slip down to your area of the woods and talk about the Carolina Panthers draft class. Uh, Pound. They, they keep pounding. That's right. They uh, they double dipped on skill players with their first two picks: Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Um, managed to land an offensive tackle, something they have not really addressed the past couple of years, aside of some cheap bargains. They got Taylor Moton with a sixty fourth overall pick. Uh, Deshaun Hall went 77th, and then one of our guys all throughout the draft process, uh, Miami cornerback Corn Elder, uh, went with the 42nd overall pick. And then the two players, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that we did not do, uh, Alex Arma from West Georgia and Harrison Butker, the kicker from Georgia Tech. Uh, Joe, initial reactions to this Carolina draft class? That's interesting. One of the things that you mentioned is that uh, the Panthers double-dipped on skill positions. That's not something we haven't seen Carolina do. They, they have a tendency to double-dip, right? When they went star Lotula, K one short. Uh, last year they did the uh, the cornerback thing where they get three in a row. So uh, And then this year where they, you know, they really had an emphasis on adding some speed and elusiveness to their offense. They did that with their first two picks. I, I feel like I've spoken at length here lately on this Panthers class because I did the piece – on Christian McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel and how they impact the Panthers offense. And I really like what they were able to do. And I'll try to give the cliff notes version of that. Basically what they've done here is got the right mix of weapons around Cam Newton as he enters a very important year for himself. Uh, Cam was, uh, you know, Ron Rivera said he was shook. His confidence was shook. And that was obvious. If you watched him play last year, he wasn't the same player that we'd seen in the past. And then secondly, he's got this, uh, the shoulder injury that's going to sideline him until mid-July. So uh, you more than ever, Carolina is going to need to rely on the quick passing game, and, and that's what they get with McCaffrey and Samuel. Both of those guys are, are players that can get out into space, catch a football, create yards for themselves after the catch. And then secondly, it gives Panthers a two-headed rushing attack in Curtis uh, and Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart that you know can really be relied upon uh, – in this offense as opposed to cam creating so much offense. And, and so what I really like here is, is how those two players allow that to happen. Then secondly, I think you get the most out of Jonathan Stewart moving forward, allowing him to become a niche complimentary back. Now Stewart is now on the wrong side of 30. He's over 1500 carries for his career. So allowing him to become the, the compliment to McCaffrey where he can focus on being the lead short yardage power back, 
Uh, he can focus on those things, and I think Carolina positions themselves to get the most out of what's left in Jonathan Stewart's tank. So all around, what these two picks did for this Panthers offense and moving forward, to me, was brilliant. And I really, really like uh, th- this combination. And then the entire skill set of weapons now that Carolina has. They've got the big, huge guys, right? Devin Funches and Calvin Benjamin on the outside, uh, catch point guys. And then you have Greg Olson, who can just bust the seam, and he's just terrific. He's going for his fourth 1,000-yard receiving season in a row. Uh, and now you, you know, you're able to lift coverage to work these guys, McCaffrey and Samuel, underneath the slot, and then maybe even Samuel, given his uh, his straight line speed, could be a threat to push the defense vertically. So uh, this is going to be a difficult defense or difficult offense for defenses to match up with because it requires you to have so many different types of defenders to match up with the wide range of skill sets that the Panthers offense has. So um, this is this was the right mix, I think, for Carolina to get things back on track. Yeah, and uh, much like... Uh, the the pleasure that I took with Tampa Bay selecting O.J. Howard. How many times um, did we get uh, Carolina's not taking Christian McCaffrey because he's <laughs> not a scheme fit for for Carolina? And uh, here here we are, uh, Joe. Even as we were sitting in FanRag's offices and we were doing vault me's before the first round. Um, Joe Marino says on April 27th, McCaffrey is a far better fit for the Panthers than Fournette. We shall see in a few hours. And uh, I'm looking at a tweet right here. Um, We have a power run scheme. I'm pretty sure Fournette is a better fit. Nope. Oops. (laughs) Nope. It's the part about this that I've grown to appreciate the most is that Nine times out of ten, we really don't know. Even the people that are in the know don't really know. I mean, the guy that's in the know is the guy that's on the podcast with me because he won the mock draft contest. Uh, But still, Joe got ten. I don't want to quote you wrong. You got ten. Nine. Nine nine picks right. Yeah, nine picks right, and you correctly slotted 30 first-round players? Uh, I think 28. It's 28 out of 32. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So, I mean... Uh, that's a really impressive score, uh, but then you get the fans from the teams that they just automatically know. It's like, <laughs> no, nah, that'll never happen. And, and guys, I'm telling you right now, you think you know, but you never know. So don't don't ever use the word never or wrong or no <laughs> for a draft take, unless it's like egregiously bad. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think if a like uh, Chad Kelly's a first round draft pick. You can say no to that. That's okay. <laughs> but don't don't do it because we will call you out. I had somebody uh, tip the hat to me and they said Kyle Krabs serves hot takes and cold burns, and I really <laughs> like that. I'm gonna run with that. That's not the last time you're gonna hear that. So if you if you swing up and you miss. Be ready, because the hammer's coming down. I'm just calling it right now, man. All right. That was a nice little monologue I there, I love man. this stuff, man. This is <laughs> – it's you know, I, I've kept receipts all spring. I know. I know. So um, I have a, quite a few receipts that I'm going to be referencing throughout the course of the summertime. Um, 
The only other pick I really wanted to touch on here with this Carolina class before we move on to the Saints and wrap this up, uh, Taylor Moton, Joe. I know this is a player you and I were kind of at odds with. Um, it's just a player for me that I think you can play him at tackle and get away with it, but I'd feel much better about him at guard just because his footwork, uh, the best he looked was at the Senior Bowl. You go back and watch the tape, and it's it's really frustrating because – his feet don't keep up. The angles aren't quite there. And he ends up folding quite a bit at the waist and trying to ride guys through. And uh, it's frustrating for me to see Carolina finally invest in an offensive lineman in the draft. To finally invest in offensive tackle. And it's a guy that has some of the, some of the same issues that you see with the guys they have on the roster. Well, uh, don't listen to Kyle. Panthers fans, Taylor Moton's your future starting right tackle, and you'll be quite happy with him. But you know what's interesting? Uh, just a little side note there. Buffalo traded three draft picks to move up in front of Carolina to take Dion Dawkins, and yeah. then Carolina turns around and takes Taylor Moton with the next pick. Yeah. And then uh, a, a couple weeks later, Buffalo hires Brandon Bean, the assistant general manager, to be their general manager. So. Who knows? Who knows if I mean if if that was maybe Carolina was hoping to go against you know their prototype a little bit and, and get the more athletic player in in Dawkins. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, and I remember I think you pointed that out on draft night too. And says, man, Buffalo just moved up in front of Carolina, and we just saw two offensive linemen go. Um, so those dots are always fun to try and connect. <laughs> yeah, uh, but let's let's move on to New Orleans. Um, this was a class that. Uh, aside of one pick, I really like this class. I liked a lot of what they came away with. Um, you know, they obviously landed Marshawn Lattimore with the first round uh, selection at 11. Uh, they tr- they ended up having the 32nd pick courtesy of the Brandon Cooks trade and selected Wisconsin offensive tackle Ryan Ramchek. Uh, they went Marcus Williams with the 42nd pick, the safety from Utah. Uh, Alvin Kamara, uh, a draft dude, alumni, uh, went 67th uh, running back. Uh, Linebacker Alex Anzalone from Florida went 76. Uh, So this is a team that had four top 76 selections. They had a lot of opportunities early on in the draft to land quality players, and we'll dig in uh, to some of the specifics here in just a moment. Uh, Landed Trey Hendrickson, a pass rusher at 103, and another pass rusher at 196, Al-Kadim Muhammad from Miami. Yeah, and you know, the, the Saints, when I look at this class, it seems like they were banking on some of the guys with injury concerns, right? Uh-huh. Uh, if you look at Marshawn Lattimore, who has the history of hamstring problems, uh, that's the only reason he made it to 11, because I think he's a top five talent. But, you know, oh, concerns over those hamstrings pushed him down to 11. Ryan Ramchek, who probably had the best tackle tape in 2016 of any offensive tackle in this class, he's got the hip injury. Um, and then Alex Anzalone, who just can't get his, is it his shoulder or his arm or something, maybe both yeah, it's a shoulder. shoulder. He, he just, it's, he can't, it's always hurt. So those three players who I think are high upside players that really have really nice starter skill sets, you know, if those guys are healthy, I think they've got three starters. If they're not, then, then they, you know, they've, they've wasted some picks here. And, and you think about like the 49ers who had been, for years willing to make these types of picks. And you see that that's somewhat of a hit or miss thing. So um, I like the upside. I like the players. These are all good football players up and down this draft class. 
uh, for me. I, I like these names. I just they're banking on them to stay healthy. Yeah, that that is the big wild card here. Lattimore was my 16th rated player, went 11th. Uh, Ramchek was rated 9th overall, went 32nd. I think he has a potential to be a great steal. Uh, Williams was the one player for me. Um, I didn't quite see it with. I really liked a number of the other safeties, uh, especially available at 42, more than him. Uh, Williams, uh, and it's interesting because they already have two safeties there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Williams just seemed like an addition of, you know, it's, it's it might be more of a long-term pick, uh, but they also did that with Ryan Ramchek, the offensive tackle. Uh, their offensive line is pretty solid. And then they go out and add Ryan Ramchek. I believe Teron Armstead's currently slotted to play left tackle there. Um, yeah. So, I, so Austin Pete's probably, Andres Pete's probably a guard at this point. Yeah. Is what this said. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but again, that was not too long ago. That was an early draft investment in an, an offensive tackle. So, so here they are making this decision and, um, Joe's kind of already gotten into Alex Anzalone's and, and his injury issues. Uh, Al-Qadim Muhammad has some some questions for other reasons as far as the fact that he didn't play football in 2016. He uh, he was dismissed from the Miami program for some alleged NCAA violations. Uh, the car thing. Yeah, yeah. the the, uh, the rental car, I believe, was is what yeah. the the issue was. And yes, yes. Uh, you know, really like what Kamara can be there in that offense as a receiving player. Really like what Trey Hendrickson's athletic skill set shows and suggests he has the potential to be. Um, but, Joe, I actually thought you did a really nice job summing up this class as a whole. This is potential. This is this is all, you know, all of these come with a little bit of an asterisk for the most part. The This guy can be really good if. This guy can be really good, but. And uh, it's going to be really really huge for the Saints uh, if they manage to hit guys that can stay on the field. This has the potential to be a game-changing draft class for them because this is a really, really good collection of players. We've all kind of thought when we saw that Marcus Williams pick come through, you know, yeah, what about Von Bell and Kenny Vaccaro? Is this something where maybe they think one of those guys can be a big nickel or kind of a hybrid type player or is this something where it's just that it just not going to make sense to us? Um, I think in, in time, as all things, that we'll get some clarity there. Um, but maybe they're going with three safeties as the nickel. Um, but I have a hard time picturing how that's going to look because none of these guys really offer you a whole lot in man-to-man coverage, right? Well, the tight the tight ends in the division, though. You think Greg Olson, you've got O.J. Howard, you've got uh, Austin Hooper. I mean, there's – Maybe that dictates this a little. It's it's interesting. Yeah, but, but who plays man-to-man coverage? None of them. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't trust any of them in man-to-man coverage. So yeah. um, that's where it's that's where I almost feel like it has to be more of a long-term decision to be able to to make this selection here, especially so early. You know, this was not a this was the forty-second pick. So. That investment that early on really raised the eyebrows for me, um, but the big wild card here is Kenny Vaccaro's in the last year of his contract. So, okay. Yeah, so yeah. so again, it, it's much like Ramchek may not be an immediate dividends type player. Marcus Williams might not be an immediate dividends type player. 
uh, as well, this might be the Saints assuming there's going to be life after Kenny Vaccaro. It'll be interesting interesting to see how Sean Payton uses these three running backs because we've got Adrian Peterson, we've got Mark Ingram, and Alvin Kamara. And I, I know how you use them, but like, like what's the, the breakdown? Yeah, what's the Are split? These... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they all warrant the football. And, you know, the Saints are typically a, a team that tends to throw the football quite a bit. So uh, be anxious to see, you know, like if there's more of a shift towards working the football on the ground a bit more. Kamara in the screen game, baby. Let yeah, it's going to be nasty. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's got real real nice potential. And Wednesday's show has real nice potential because we're going to be talking about the NFC West. Uh, that's going to be a fun show. It's our last 2017 NFL Draft-specific podcast on the draft, dudes. Uh, so we would like to formally invite you right here, right now, uh, to earmark it, put it down, set the alarm on your phone, Wednesday morning when you wake up, when you're driving into work, it's going to be there. We're going to have it up at midnight for you guys that are interested in listening, uh, so we highly encourage you to do so. Uh, in the meantime, you can swing over to NDTScouting.com or FanRag Sports and keep up with all that Joe and I and the rest of the NDT Scouting team are putting out. We are hard at work already establishing a baseline for 2018. As I said, some of our 2017 summary premium subscription work for premium subscribers over at NDT Scouting is getting ready to drop in the next week. So you guys have that to look forward to as well. Uh, we're going to start doing some of our expansion pack work. Joe and I have seven players that we got to go back and rewatch. Uh, that we did not get. You know, we felt really good about it for a while, and uh, we got burned. We got seven players we got to watch uh, that went before the fifth round. Joe, is that, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So, so we uh, we're gonna keep grinding 2017 tape. Gosh darn it! Uh, in the meantime, thank you very much for listening. I am Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino, and we're the Draft Dudes Podcast. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.